Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Falling in love is the best feeling in the world. You see stars, you feel giddy, but sometimes that makes you do crazy things, and sometimes that means murder. Just because a story starts out with Once Upon a Time doesn't mean it ends happily ever after. Welcome to Crazy in Love, a production of KT Studios and iHeartRadio. Today's guests are true crime producer Jeff Shane and journalist Lori False. Lori has over 20 years of experience, primarily in crime reporting. She currently serves as the opinion editor for the Tribune Review in the greater Philadelphia area. Lori previously served as the deputy editor for the Center Daily Times. Episode 25, The Case of the Outsider, The Social Butterfly, and The Bloody Basement. In Jerome, Pennsylvania, there wasn't much excitement. With less than 800 residents, people who live there described it as a simple place. So when 21-year-old Tori Minnick moved back to town, everyone had their eye out for the striking brunette. Outgoing, kind, and well-liked, Tori got everyone's attention. Why did Tori make the move? She had just started working at a nursing home and was looking for a bit of a fresh start. 
She had recently called it quits with her high school sweetheart, Cody Donaldson. Tori and Cody had known each other since kindergarten and always had a connection. While they were on and off throughout high school, Cody had proposed to Tori. While neither really thought it was a serious engagement, it did prove their love for one another. However, for the time being, it seemed the pair was very much done. Single and ready for a new beginning, Tori caught the eye of a co-worker. A 24-year-old woman named Erin Everett. Erin was born and raised in Jerome. She grew up a devout Christian, but had recently left the church. According to her, she never felt like she fit in. At work, the two women struck up a fast friendship. They were both star athletes and were passionate about their jobs. They also connected over both having recently broken off engagements with men. That being said, Tori and Aaron also had differences. While Tori was loud and opinionated, Aaron was quiet and shy. But something about their bond felt right. For the first time, both Tori and Aaron felt like themselves. Soon the friendship turned flirtatious. One night, Aaron got up the nerve to text Tori a simple yet leading question. Had she ever been on a date, Aaron typed? Tori was quick to reply yes. Had she ever been on a date with a woman, Aaron typed? Tori was quick to reply yes. From there, Aaron asked Tori out, and to her excitement, she said yes. It got serious fast. Within weeks, Aaron proposed to Tori and asked her to live together. Here's Jeff. So while this relationship sounded like it was moving quickly, but very positively, there was a catch. Aaron was actually living at home in her parents' basement apartment. So when she asked Tori to move in with her, it was really to live in the basement of her parents' home. While Aaron's pious Christian parents knew she was a lesbian, they didn't love the idea of their daughter actually being with someone. So the couple pitched the idea as platonic roommates. Aaron's parents agreed, and in the fall of 2010, Tori moved in. Lori, do you know anything about how the couple did once they actually started living together? It doesn't seem like it's ever easy to hide a relationship like that when you're living with your parents. But it it didn't take long for the parents to figure out that they were actually a couple and not just roommates. And it seems like it was kind of a, a don't ask, don't tell situation. Like, don't tell us what's going on and we will pretend we don't know what's going on. Tori seemed to feel uncomfortable about the situation being watched by Aaron's parents so much that Aaron would have long overnight shifts at the nursing home and Tori would go back to her hometown and that was like a three-hour drive. Tori was sort of out of the closet with Aaron, but back at home, that was not the case. She was straight at home. When she was going back and forth, it was not just going back and forth between two houses. It was going back and forth between two lives. So these two women move in together. They're very much in love, but they have to kind of live under this lie that is pretty quickly to identify as one because they're in love. Like any new couple moving in together, you want to be romantic with your partner. So it was probably pretty hard to cover that up for Aaron's parents. Tori felt uncomfortable with the situation, like you said, right? It has to be difficult to be in a place where you can't be yourself, especially when this is the place where you were supposed to be able to be yourself. 
that had to be difficult. Yeah, I imagine that would weigh heavy on Tori. And then she's going back and forth between her hometown, back to Aaron's basement. There's a lot going on for her. The budding love story between Tori and Aaron came to a disastrous halt on March 25th, 2011, when Aaron called her parents as they were going to church. A man had broken in and brutally assaulted Tori with a hammer. Terrified, the parents called 911 and raced back to the house where they found their daughter on the front lawn covered in blood. Why did they take Tori from me, she sobbed. He took her away from me, she continued. Erin's mother made her way inside, stepping over broken glass on the front porch from the break-in, where she found Tori at the bottom of the basement stairs. Her naked body had been covered with a bloody blanket. A 911 told her to do CPR, but it was clear that the 21-year-old, once so full of life and promise, was dead. Tori was not just beaten with a hammer. She had also been shot twice in the head. She was pronounced dead at the scene, but Aaron had very minor injuries. She was taken to the hospital to make sure, but she only had some bruises to her back, even though she was covered in blood. They quickly told her that she was gonna be okay. And while doctors were figuring out that Aaron was fine, the police wanted to talk to her to ask her about what happened. And here's what she told them. The night before the murder, she and Tori had both worked a late shift at the nursing home and wanted to sleep in. At around 12 p.m., Aaron awoke to the sound of broken glass. She kind of dismissed it and fell back asleep for a minute or so. But suddenly, a man with a ski mask ran downstairs and attacked Tori. Aaron tried to intervene, but the masked intruder pushed her off. That would explain the bruises on her back. When a gun went off, Aaron was so scared she ended up hiding. At one point, she did remember hearing the killer tell Tori during the attack that if he couldn't have her, no one could. So the police were very curious, who was this vengeful killer? Aaron said she had the answer. Lori, as someone who covers crime, to be beaten with a hammer and shot twice in the head, to me, it feels very personal. Anything that involves close up, close contact striking and repeated blows is something that is incredibly passion driven. It is something that is very motivated by incredibly strong emotions. And it's kind of odd to see two such different weapons used in a case like that. Something with a gun is, it's a remote weapon. It's something where somebody has distance from it and it can, more often than a crime of passion, a gun is a crime of necessity or opportunity. It's the kind of weapon that you see somebody use when they have a goal. Somebody wants to steal something from you so a gun is a good threatening weapon because you can be farther away. And it's something that people can be really scared of. If you're using it with the intention of killing, not of threatening, it's something that is often used just for that purpose and then to get away. To have somebody use something that is both ranged like a gun and upfront and brutal and personal like a hammer, it speaks to like a confusion in what is going on. And that is probably exactly what the police were finding as they were first looking at that scene. Within an hour of Aaron's statement, the police brought Cody in for questioning as he was leaving work. Aaron told the police she saw Tori's ex, Cody, attack her. Could Cody have been jealous enough of Tori's new same-sex romance to kill? 
Based on the brutality and personal nature of the crime, it certainly seemed possible. Back at the station, the police started asking Cody about the nature of his relationship with Tori. We know that they apparently broke up before Tori moved to Jerome to start working at the nursing home, which is where she met Aaron. Cody told the police that while he and Tori were technically broken up, they were very much in contact and planned to get back together. Remember how Tori would leave when Aaron was at work to avoid the awkwardness with Aaron's parents? Well, it turns out, according to court, it turns out, according to Cody, that when she left and to go home, she would be with Cody. In fact, two days before the murder, Cody and Tori were looking at apartments to move in together. Cody claimed he had no idea that Tori and Aaron were anything more than friends. And he also said that he was at work during the murder. And that's something that really, it seemed to bear out when they were looking at his alibi. He was at work. He worked at a CVS warehouse and they were able to check with his boss and he was there all day. And as we're talking about a place that is three hours away, it's wholly impossible for him to be able to make that distance to run back, kill his girlfriend in a basement and then get back to work. That's just not going to happen. So even though this seemed like a great idea that he could be the killer, it really doesn't pan out. That's not something that the detectives have anything to work with, with the scene. So they're back to square one. But Aaron said that a masked intruder broke in and we know that the glass was broken. There was glass all over the place because her mother had to step over it to get inside. But the glass is a kind of glaring problem with that scene because if you are breaking into the house, you're not going to have glass outside of the house. The glass is going to be inside on the floor. And that is not what her mother stepped over. Her mother stepped over glass that was on the outside of the house. That is definitely going to make the police look at a scene as something that is staged to make a good story. And that is what the cops do. The, the cops go back to the beginning, look at the scene, and take away this false information, look at it with fresh eyes, and that takes them back to Aaron, who is the only person who was in the room that anybody knows of other than Tori. So what you're saying is if I walk up to a door and I take a hammer and shatter it, the glass would be on the inside of the house. But that's not what happened. Yeah, you're talking about a forward motion, you know? So if you take a brick and you throw it through a window, the glass, you may have a couple of stray pieces on the outside, but the majority of the glass is gonna be pushed into the house. And what they were left with was a scene where the glass was pushed out of the house. So whatever breaking was done was done in an effort to push out a window, not to push in a window. Which would imply that whoever did it was doing it from the inside, which would discredit the story that someone had broken in to attack Tori. Right. Best case scenario, you're looking at somebody trying to break out of a room that they couldn't get out of. But that doesn't really seem to be what was happening here. So the only other case that you're really left with is either the window was broken in a fight or the window was broken in an attempt to stage something to look like something other than what it was. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. 
That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Having covered a fair amount of crimes, do you see a lot of staged break-ins or crime scenes, or is that something people do commonly? Criminals are not as smart as law and order would have you believe. Usually if you see broken glass, it is in the direction that the, that, you know, the crime occurred. Somebody trying to stage a scene is a little less common than TV leads you to believe, but it's not unheard of. This is the kind of thing that you don't need to be a CSI to figure out. Jerome is not a big town. You know, Jerome is a town of like 800 people in a very rural area in southern Pennsylvania. It's a small, small area. This is not the kind of place that has a big police department. You're looking at something that was pulling from state police resources to investigate it. But those barracks are even kind of scattered around remotely. They don't have a large presence. You don't have to be a big police department to figure this kind of crime out. It is obvious when a scene is this kind of staged. If all of the glass on something that was supposed to be a break-in is on the outside, it's obvious what happened. Do you think, though, that the lack of police available maybe speaks to why, at first, they really trusted Aaron's story and followed that lead by bringing Cody in for questioning, as opposed to really examining the crime scene because they had a witness who was talking? When you're looking at this scene, Erin is not just a witness, Erin is a victim as well. She was injured, she went to the police, she is being looked at as another victim. There is an intrinsic desire to trust at least a portion of what she is saying. She's the only person who can actually speak to what's going on. So there is a natural inclination to at least accept part of what she's saying initially at face value. Cody was brought in for questioning and he was quickly dismissed because that's what happens in the course of an investigation. And that's something that people should really take into consideration when a crime occurs in their area. Everybody who is spoken to is not necessarily someone that, that the police are even considering seriously as a suspect. They are quite often people who need to be eliminated as suspects so that they can focus the attention of the investigation where it needs to go. Yeah, because the ex-boyfriend is a very obvious person to put on your list. It's always the husband, it's always the boyfriend. We hear that saying all the time. Right, absolutely. Police brought Erin in for questioning where she continued to deny everything. Adamant Cody was the mass killer. When detectives asked her point blank if she killed Tori, Erin said no, she loved her. Erin continued by saying they weren't having any problems and that despite Cody's desperation, Tori had no plans to get back together with him. After hours of interrogation, detectives changed tactics by asking her out of the blue, where'd you get the gun? Erin seemed thrown off and her demeanor changed. It was upstairs, she said. Aaron then admitted to murdering Tori. 
And obviously you want to know right away why. They had such a quick relationship that developed very tight and fast. And it makes you wonder immediately, how did this go so wrong so badly so fast? Erin gave them the motive right up front. She was like, I was jealous. She really believed that Tori was going to leave her for Cody, which does seem to be what was going to happen with Cody saying that they were going to be moving in together. She admits that she found out that Tori and Cody were together on those times that Aaron and Tori weren't together. And she just couldn't take it. And then finally, on the day of the murder, while Tori was sleeping, she stood there over the body for about 20 minutes trying to decide what it was that she was going to do, trying to decide if she wanted to actually kill her or not. And if this was the course she was going to take. And finally, that's what she did. She shot her twice in the head and it just wasn't successful. Shooting someone is not always as simple as it seems in the movies or on TV. It's the kind of thing that hesitancy can make it difficult. You're looking at somebody that you love. And even no matter how violently angry you are or how jealous you are, there's going to be difficulty in actually carrying through on something as serious and as conflicting as murder. And there's also the fact that firing a gun is physically difficult too. There's a kick. Just because you point the gun in a direction doesn't mean that it is actually going to go where you want it to go. And gunshots are not as dramatically instantly fatal as they are made to appear. It's an ugly way to die, but it's not an immediate way to die always. And Tori did not immediately die. And that is where the hammer came into play. Erin went and got the hammer and she hit her twice more um, until she was sure that Tori was in fact dead. And then she dragged the body upstairs or she tried to drag the body upstairs, but it was just too heavy. And so it sounds like her original plan was to pull the body out of the house, but that was to prove to be too difficult. So she ended up staging the break-in, which as we know, was a pretty short-sighted plan. Right. Again, criminals, not always incredibly crafty. It's hard to get rid of a body. It, it's not easy. Anybody who has ever tried to get a child out of the house in the morning you know, can, and that's, you know, you get working with a kid who's like 50 pounds and trying to wrangle them into a car and into a car seat and everything. Now, imagine that you're talking about somebody who's like 150 pounds and they're not moving and you are responsible for completely moving them from one place to another. It's difficult. People are big and unwieldy and heavy. It's, it's, it's hard. And it makes a mess as you're going. It's a difficult process. And that's something that Erin definitely figured out as she was going through this. And she had to change tacks. And suddenly it seemed like the better way to go was to leave the body where it is and come up with a new story to explain why it's there. And so she decided to go with, there was a break-in. And what better way to, you know, kind of try and, and sell that than by 
breaking some windows and making it look like somebody tried to come in and now I need to explain who that person was. Well, I'm still jealous, so let's blame Cody. And with all of that information, it was enough for the cops to arrest and charge Aaron with first degree murder. But they did have one more question. Where had she been planning to take the body as she was dragging upstairs? To a friend, she told them. And it turned out that that friend was a man named Billy Nair, who was Aaron's cousin's boyfriend. Aaron told the cops that it was Billy who offered to help get rid of Tori's body. Not surprisingly, the police had some questions for Billy, so they brought him into the station. With the police, Billy said that Aaron had once jokingly asked him the best way to get rid of a body, but he never told her how to, and he certainly didn't help kill Tori. He was very forthcoming and answered all of the police questions and even allowed the detectives to look through his texts with the warning that they wouldn't be able to find much because he had just deleted all his messages the night before. What do we know, Lori, about, you know, CSI teams recovering texts from phones that have previously been deleted? No one should ever assume that anything that you get rid of from your phone has actually disappeared. That doesn't happen. Because for one thing, nothing from any kind of computer device, whether it's your phone or your laptop or your tablet, nothing is ever completely gone. There's always a way to follow the footprints and find the deleted text or the missing email. There's always a way to dig it up off of your phone. Even if you completely got rid of your phone, you throw it into a wood chipper, you burn it in a fire. There's still the records that are gonna be held by your internet provider or by your cell phone company. There's always a way to trace that data. Nothing is ever completely gone. And Billy figured that out because <laughs> they were able to look at some of the things that he had ostensibly deleted. Billy had lied when he said that they wouldn't find anything. They did find things. They found a lot of things. One of the things that they found were weeks and weeks of text messages between him and Aaron about a plan to murder Tori. Not only had Billy been part of this potential to get rid of the body, he had been pushing her to actually do this. He'd been badgering her. Why hadn't she done it yet? Can you send me pictures of the body? The day before the murder, Aaron texted Billy asking him how she should load the gun. How do I do this? And he, he didn't just give her, you know, just like put the bullet in. He gave detailed step-by-step -step instructions, not just how to load it, load it, but also how to actually fire the gun, how to accomplish the murder. And then it leaves you with the question of why would he want this? Why would Aaron's cousin's boyfriend want Aaron to kill Tori? Why would he want that? Police surmised that it was because of a text that Billy had sent Aaron that they found on his phone. At one point, he had asked her for naked photos. And so the police kind of put together that Billy had a crush on Aaron and thought that with Tori out of the way, he would have a better chance of being with her. Billy is then arrested and charged with conspiracy to commit homicide. Lori, are you familiar with the Michelle Carter case? Young woman texted her boyfriend into, kind of badgered him into committing suicide. It kind of reminds me of the same thing. Can you be held responsible for a crime if you're kind of at a distance, just kind of poking the bear? 
You absolutely can be. And in this case, it's even worse. There was a, an issue with the Michelle Carter case of exactly where the law was and whether you can be held responsible for somebody killing themselves. There was an interesting legal question. She was ultimately found to be culpable in that case. But it is much more clear cut in a case like this. You absolutely can be held responsible for pushing someone to commit a crime against another person. Billy was ultimately sentenced for criminal use of a communication facility, a third-degree felony, and obstruction of justice, a second-degree misdemeanor. With the trials looming, the prosecutors offered Billy a deal to testify against Aaron. It was an offer he couldn't refuse. They also offered Aaron a guilty plea with a life sentence. However, in domestic cases such as this, the death penalty is rarely on the table, so there wasn't much to gain by accepting. Erin felt she had nothing to lose, and so she turned down the deal. Three years later, the trial began. Erin and her team decided to do a non-jury trial in which a judge would not only oversee the case, but ultimately make a final verdict. These are pretty rare, but the strategy behind it was because Aaron feared that finding 12 jurors who didn't frown upon her being a lesbian would be hard in such a small county where the trial was being held. And she figured she figured it would be more likely to have a progressive judge who didn't care about her sexuality and let that hinder the case at hand. And as the trial began, the defense argued that this was a crime of passion. The prosecution countered, saying that the text with Billy proved that Aaron had been planning this for quite some time. And Billy ends up being the star witness for the prosecution. He is the texts that damned Billy, that, you know, absolutely put him in trouble with the law, are also the tools that the prosecution needs to prove that this was a plan and not an instinct for Aaron, that this is something that was weeks in the making and not something that just flashed in a moment of jealousy. And in court, he tells the judge that even though he was badgering Aaron to murder Tori, he really thought that it was a joke and an empty threat. And when Aaron testified, she said that Billy had antagonized her into the killing and bullied her to do it. So it really becomes a he said, she said situation. Lori, what do you think about plea deals? I always have a hard time kind of swallowing it. You know, Billy is very much involved in this crime. If he wasn't around, Tori would probably be alive, but it does help put away Aaron. It's difficult. Plea deals tend to get a bad name. This idea that somebody pleaded down to a lesser sentence when in reality, it's more a case of the prosecution having a bird in the hand situation. It's much better to get someone to take a plea and then, you know, you, you know that you've got them in jail for 5, 10, 20 years, whatever it is that you have negotiated with them, rather than take a chance of going to the jury and you can never predict what a jury is going to do so that's why a prosecutor will take a plea 
when it seems like maybe that's not the best idea. And when you're taking a plea from someone that helps you put two people in jail instead of just one, math really adds up. Let's stop here for another break. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday 
and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O.com. Despite Billy being the star witness for the prosecution, Erin certainly had a defense that she was ready to talk about. She said that Tori was actually abusive to her. According to her, it started as verbal abuse, but it eventually turned physical. Erin told the judge and the defense that Erin had pushed her, shoved her, and even kicked her. This, according to her, explained the bruises on her back after the murder. Remember, Aaron originally said that they were from being pushed by the killer, we, which we now know obviously wasn't true. Aaron said that Tori even allegedly raped her once. And Aaron's mother corroborated her daughter's story. She said that she heard them fighting often. She even said that she saw Tori choking Aaron once. Do you think a, a jury, and I guess in this case a judge, takes the statements from the accused mother with a grain of salt? They're not supposed to. The jury is not supposed to really dismiss what someone says based on who they are to the defendant. Unless their testimony is impeached in court, which means unless it's discredited by the prosecution in a legal manner, you're supposed to accept that what is said in court is true because people have sworn to tell the truth. It's definitely something that people are going to be, you know, like, eh, She's got an alibi, but it's her mom. And that's an area where having the bench trial where the judge is the only person making the decision was probably a detriment to her because she'd have had a chance of somebody believing her story maybe if she put it in front of 12 jurors. Putting it in front of one judge who knows exactly how to thread that needle of what is allowed, what isn't, and what is rational makes it a lot harder to sell that story. If we believe that Tori really was abusive to Aaron, we see cases where women get off when, you know, they kill their abusers. So if we do believe that, I mean, what do you make of that defense? And then I also go back to the fact that she stood over the bed for 20 minutes, kind of weighing her options, because it's clearly not a crime of passion if you kind of can stand there calmly for 20 minutes debating whether or not to do it. It's not a crime of passion. It could still be. In in this instance, there have been lots of cases of abused women fighting back. The most famous case, the burning bed case, where the woman set fire to her husband and she stood there for quite a while before she set fire to him. And abuse mentality is not something that you can get over just because the person is asleep or is not a perceived threat at the moment. You know, most abused women, their husbands are gone at work for like eight, nine, 10 hours a day. Why not just leave then? It's because abuse can be hard to get away from regardless of whether the person is a perceived threat at the time. However, I don't believe that's the case with Aaron because Aaron's stories were in conflict with each other. Her idea that she killed Tori because she was jealous and the idea that she killed Tori because Tori was abusive don't really connect with each other. In fact, you really can't have those working together because if she was abusive and if she wanted to get away from Tori, 
All she had to do was let her go with Cody. She was already planning to move out. There was absolutely no reason to kill her. Wow, I never even thought of that. Exactly, right, she had an out. You'd think she probably would have told the police that Tori was abusing her if it had happened. Like she would have said it at the police station, not months later at the trial. It would have been a much better story than a break-in from the beginning. So once she lawyered up, that's probably when she or they concocted this story together. It doesn't explain the bruise on the back. That is still a little bit of an outlier. Just because I don't necessarily believe that it was an abusive relationship doesn't mean that it could not have been a contentious relationship. It's absolutely possible that her mother could have told the truth, that she did hear them fighting. And if they were fighting, then maybe they were each giving as good as they got, and that's why she had some bruises. Yeah, obviously we now know there, it was not a perfect relationship because Tori was stepping out and going back with Cody and that probably caused some tension. On November 14th, 2014, the judge had a decision. Aaron was found guilty of murder and sentenced to life in prison. She showed no emotion. For his part in the murder, Billy got just two years probation. The now 36-year-old Aaron spends her time in prison training puppies and has rediscovered God. As Aaron sits behind bars, she's expressed to her lawyers that she still loves and misses Tori. With so much time, her mind drifts to happier days, living in that basement with Tori, finally feeling a sense of love and belonging. But now, so many years later and in such a different place, all those beautiful moments are just fleeting memories. If you're enjoying Crazy in Love, leave us a review. Season three of the Piketon Massacre, Return to Pike County is in the works. We wanna hear from you for the upcoming season. Do you have a story to tell, a connection to Pike County, or is there another case local to Pike County that you can't let go of? please email info at kt-studios.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at kt underscore studios. Crazy in Love is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Jeff Shane, Chris Graves, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Twa. Crazy in Love is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Stay safe, lovers. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.